All right, welcome back to the Curiously Guided Podcast, the place for intuitive business owners. We're your hosts, Shay and Mariah, and today we're talking all things launching um, with a good friend of ours, Lara Lasala. Uh, to be honest, I did not... Um, <laughs> launching is not my favorite topic, as you'll hear about in this episode, or at least what I what I had defined launching as. Um, if you guys are in the online business world and you're familiar, there's a, a lot of like hype and story around you have a new product and you want to get it out in the world. And how do you announce it to your people and sell it in a way that is really, you know, you can see these really overly complicated launch strategies. And there's a lot of like lore out there around people that had these epic launches and it like ate them up emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And then they couldn't deliver the program. And we talked, Laura kind of talks about that. And she is just a pro at, um, you know, not only redefining what it means to launch and how to think about a launch in a way that works for you, not in just what you think a launch means. That was my big takeaway from this. It's like, I too can launch in a way that feels safe. And she gives a lot of really fun ideas of what exactly does that even mean? And then how can we pull in these kind of like bigger skills of setting boundaries, creating space for pause and noticing when we're stepping into people pleasing tendencies, you know, Laura is very, I would call her like an empowered, strong person. I really admire her just as a person. And she's a fantastic example of someone who's followed her own intuition and curiosity and built a, a very successful business around what works for her. And so I just think her story is inspiring. I love how she just is as a human, um, what she's into her like side interests. So we'll get into all that in the episode, but she's just a wonderful, interesting human. And then I love how she kind of ties all of these, um, almost like strong business practices into the launching process. And, and I just kind of realized there's a lot I can learn about being, a good business owner through going through a launch and kind of noticing what pops up for me. And like, I don't know, it's just a great opportunity to hold a mirror up to yourself and learn a lot of things. Yeah. And I love her approach of like launching intentionally and like how, when she works with clients, she really helps people figure out what it means to stay grounded, what it means to stay empowered. And if you have a team, especially like in a launch period, not only can you, the business owner, get burnt out from launching, but like, think about your fucking team. Like <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. If you do it in the way that like we see happening in the online business space, like that hustle, hustle, hustle. So I really like Lara's approach where she brings the team in. She's really big on communicating like when she comes in and helps a business with their launch plan and their launch strategy, like she's all about being intentional, helping the team stay connected. Because I feel like a lot of the times in launching, we assume it's like, oh, we're pushing our thing out there. Like we're trying to get people into a group program. We're doing this, we're doing that. And it's like, yeah, but what about the back end that we don't see on the front end? Like, besides the Instagram captions and the email funnels, it's like, how are you connecting with your team? How are you supporting them? How are you supporting yourself? And then, you know, as always, we just flowed with the conversation, brought in these little tangents, like people pleasing, taking a sacred pause for yourself, for your team, like what that looks like for you. Yeah. This conversation was like, even better than I could have ever imagined. I just felt so inspired and lit up on this permission slip 
that I feel like Lara gave us to redefine what launching means, depending on what feels fun and supportive for you. And then of course, naturally I may or may not have brought in human design into this. And then we start talking about it or maybe Shay brought it in this time. I'm not sure, but you, you know how it is. We just sprinkled that shit right in, but we're not going to give it all away in the intro. We will leave some of the meat and potatoes for the actual interview here. So Lara is a launch and system strategist. She helps entrepreneurs generate more abundant, less stressful launches through leadership development, streamlined systems, and empowered teams. So let's just get into the episode. Okay, Lara, we're so excited to have you here with us today. Um, You know, you honestly are just someone that I've like kind of admired from afar. I enjoy following you on social media. We were obviously in Aaron Lindstrom's container together and I got to know you a little bit, um, but I've always been curious if you wouldn't mind sharing with us how, I think you have an interesting story, just like we all do, but I think yours may be particularly interesting. You know, I've always been drawn to you. You seem like someone who is has followed your own curiosity and has trusted yourself in several situations. And I just love, like, I know that you do, is roller derby the right word? Yeah. (laughs) You do roller derby on the side. I always have admired that. You know, that's just cool. And I appreciate us finding, I don't know. I, I just think you seem like a very interesting, cool person. I'm excited to hear more. So would you mind getting us started with um, your story, you know, but in particular, I'm interested in how you landed in the online business world. Yeah, sure. Um, so my story starts, I think the biggest like kind of um, memory and like experience of my life that I would say like started where I am now um, is actually that I got pregnant when I was 22 years old. Um, I was single. I was not in a very good spot in my life. And um, to anybody like on the outside that I told that I was pregnant, it was like, I could feel the like, well, you're not going to have the baby. Right. Or you're, you know, like, I mean, I was in that like bad of a spot. I was using drugs. I was like working in a restaurant seven days a week. Um, the father of the child was not an ideal, you know, candidate for parenthood either. Um, I was living in my parents' house. I had no like real prospects, you know, in front of me. And so that was the first experience where, um, you know, the topic of this podcast, even like curiously guided where I felt like my own guidance kick in, um, the whole rest of my life, really growing up, I was a people pleaser, you know, I was a high achiever. I was always going after like what my parents told me I should go after and like all of those kinds of things. And when I got pregnant, it was like, this is my decision. Like this, like, I can't, think about what anybody else wants or thinks or expects of me in this moment. Like this is huge. Like this is the biggest decision I'm probably ever going to have to make in my life. And I I could feel that, you know? And I remember I was four months pregnant when I told my mom, I went down to our laundry room and she was washing clothes, you know? And I mean, at this point I had been like, my pants were, you know, unbuttoning and I didn't have money to get new pants. I mean, that whole thing, you know? And my mom's like from a large Irish Catholic family, Um, so this was like a pretty scary moment to go share this with her. And, you know, I told her I was pregnant and she basically was like, so you're going to give it up for adoption, right? Like, you know, and I was like, no, like I'm keeping it. And 
Whew. I mean, even just talking about it now. I so feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have straight, straight chills. Listen, yeah. my whole body is like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And like, I remember her, you know, I told her that and she said, okay. And you know, she said, that's your decision. And yeah. And that was like, I knew, I just knew like I was making the right decision for me. I was making the right decision for the baby. And yeah, so 22, well, 23, then I had, I had Angelina, it's now 18. And, um, and that, and that was like, okay, now I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Cause I'm not the only person I'm responsible for anymore. So again, I, I slipped back into like that old pattern of like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I went back to college and I got an accounting grade, a degree. So easy to slip back into that, especially at that age. Yeah. So yeah, easy. absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, what I'm going to be a mom. What am I supposed to do? Like as yeah. a mom, right. I'm like, oh, I have to go get a regular nine to five job. Cause my daughter's probably going to be in daycare and I have to be home at night and da, 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 right. And All that's just, that it's what you do. Like that yeah. is what you do. You don't even question it. Like I didn't no. even really question yeah. it at the time. It's just like, Oh, I got to go back to college and get my degree and get a nine to five job. Like for me, there wasn't any other options like that were even in my, in my vision, you know? So I did, I went back to college. I had a ton of help. My, my mom, my sister, my, my boyfriend, who my boyfriend at the time, not my daughter's father's family, um, helped me like immensely. Um, I got my degree. I got the very first job I applied for. And I was like, oh man, this is sweet. You know, like <laughs> life is so easy. What was I worried about <laughs> in my favor, you know? And so I got that job. I worked there for eight years. Um, in the beginning it was, you know, I was like, Ooh, I got an, I have an accounting job, you know, like I'm fancy. <laughs> like, uh, my mom's proud of me, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, a few years in was like, Oh, this cubicle just <laughs> isn't cutting it. You know, it's just like the, no, the building with no windows, you know, um, very like, wasn't corporate, but very, you know, corporate feel, um, owned by, you know, middle-aged white men and, you know, that whole dynamic, um, with like women in administration and the men in power kind of thing going on there which is totally not my vibe. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so it got to the point really where it was like, I was pulling up into the parking lot every day and I was just like, ugh, like sick to my stomach. Like, I don't want to go in there. Like, you know, and, um, there was some crazy stuff that went on there, like internally, organizationally. And, um, the controller that I worked under wound up leaving it was one of my amazing, most valued mentors in my life. Um, and I remember one day after she left, I went into work and I don't, I don't, I, rem I don't remember what happened. I remember someone, one of the managers said something to me and I was just like, I just felt that feeling of like, I'm done. Like <laughs> I'm done. I walked outside of my lunch break. I called my husband and I was like, babe, I'm like, how would you feel if I resigned from my job today? And he was like, please do it. Like you're miserable. Like just, just go for it. We'll figure it out. Mind you, we had four kids at this point. Um, so that was like another scary decision, but it was like, again, I just knew, I just knew when you get to that point, you're just like, okay, this isn't working and I need to, something needs to change. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I resigned from my job. I stayed home for nine months and uh, I love working. I mean, I've always been, I've always been immersed in whatever I do. I like, you know, go all the way, like with, with work and, and everything like that. So, you know, being at home was definitely a different, a different uh, environment. And I did, was lacking some fulfillment. Right. So I didn't have anything that was like mine or for me. 
And so I wound up having a friend who was a virtual assistant. And up until this point, I thought virtual like work from home things were a scam, right? Like I didn't know this whole online world existed, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, you can work from home. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it, like it wasn't like dollars a week. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it wasn't like in it wasn't like influencers on TikTok where it's like no. people are making so much money dancing around doing real. No, I can time, do whatever. No, not at all. I mean, it was like mystery shoppers, you know, and like yeah. that kind of thing, right? And, but my friend, like a really old friend of mine, she was a virtual assistant. She was like, Hey, like you could do this too. Like, and she got me a client. Um, so I started out virtual assisting and I was terrible at it (laughs) to start, even though I had, I mean, I had an accounting degree. I worked in a pretty high level position, um, and like doing it this in a different way, like online, it was so different. And it was really challenging. I got fired from my first, <laughs> my first position, which was like crushing for me at the time. I cried. I was like, I can't do this. You know, like I have to quit. What am I going to do with my life now? It was so dramatic at the time. Um, but I kept with it because, you know, that's just how I am. And um, yeah, and I wound up connecting with um, two, two people that mentored me. One person was a, an online project manager. And the other one was building a digital marketing agency. Um, so basically they subcontracted to me, mentored me. Um, I did a lot of training on my own, you know, and started to just continue to up-level my skills. Um, and then I, at one point in my business, I launched my own digital marketing agency and, you know, and then now, you know, got to the, to the point what I'm doing now, which is live launch management. Um, but that's kind of the, <laughs> the trajectory from where I started to now. Yeah. Wow. It's like, it's just, it's so interesting how once you walk into the online space or it's what, like once you get shoved into the online space, it's like, here's your first <laughs> yeah. client. It's like, you, you really, there is no going back because like you see so much potential of just like, what is possible that you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, good for you for like learning on the job and like getting thrown into it and just being like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Because like a lot of people, we, we try to prevent ourselves from failing. And so we'll be like, no, we need to know this. We need to know that I can't do this. Like, what about taxes? What about contracts? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you try to figure everything out from the jump before you even get your first client. Mm-hmm. but it's like, that's when all of our experience really like aligns and comes into play. And like, from my perspective, that's how I learn best is yep. like just getting kind of thrown into it to learn what I don't know. And then I just hurry up and like, fucking, I don't know. I'll like figure it out. You figure it out. Yeah. You figure it out as you go along and you put the pieces together and you layer them in. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I, I just laughed when you said taxes. Cause like that was, that wasn't even a thought in my mind when I, when I started. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, all those things like get your website set up, get your, yep. you know, all those things that again, you think you're supposed to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I did do some of those things, but I definitely jumped right in and thankfully I had really awesome mentors that like kept stretching me and, and really helped me grow like really, really quickly. How did you realize that you liked launch, like helping people with launches and like helping systems. Because like in my business, that's the shit that I'm like, please, no, thank you. Like, thank you next. Yeah. Um, I think some of it comes from, you know, before I worked in accounting, I always worked in restaurants 
And I loved the pace, you know, like a Saturday night, like if, you know, I know some people would have like five tables and they'd be stressed out. I'd be like, Ooh, like, you know, this, this, that, like, just like that. I just have that. I have that ability to just shift really quickly between things and keep, you know, and, and keep on top of everything somehow. Um, so I love that, that pace and that dynamic. And, um, and I found when I first started live launch, like managing live launches, um, that's how people start out is that, you know, like that quick pace and jumping from this thing to this thing. Now, now that I've been doing this for seven years, like I've learned how to make that process a lot smoother and not so, you know, not having to jump from things to things. That's what I help people do is really organize and systematize and like slow it down a bit because it can be really intense when you're moving at that pace. And that's when people get drained out. Um, so, but, but there's still that in the live launch management piece, like managing the team, managing the systems, making sure everything's going out on time, making sure everything's like going out in excellence, like making sure we're reaching our goals. There's that, um, that all of those pieces, right. Of the puzzle that like come together. And that's what I love. That's what I love about it. Like that bird's eye view perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is like, I think, and I think that's why I feel really good about what I do and how I do it is because I have both. Like I, I started out doing the implementation and all of the tech and building the funnels. And so I know everything that I've written copy I've built sales pages. I know everything that goes into it. But I also have the ability to like zoom out and see it from that high level too. And so I really feel like I'm the perfect bridge, you know, between the vision and the high level and, and, the, and the nitty gritty that like I always say is really what makes things successful is the execution. You know, I mean, you have to start with an aligned strategy, of course, but the best strategy in the world, if it's not executed well, and there's not like the right energy behind it, like Ooh, it's, yeah. it's going to fall flat. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Oh, that's so powerful. And as someone who, um, I feel more like a starter and sometimes the people I coach, even we're more of like the starters. And so as we're hiring people, I'm always looking for people who call themselves more of like the executors. Yep. Cause I know that's like, Oh, that's the puzzle piece. <laughs> and I'm always relieved yep. when I meet people like you. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's so good to remember <laughs> that like all <laughs> yeah, of us like are here relief. working together. <laughs> yep. You know, something that really resonated while you were, your whole story, I was same as Mariah, like full body chills. Um, But one thing that really stuck out was that at these critical like pivot points, that feeling of knowing of just like, once you know, you know, and I'm like that too. It's like, once I, once that switch, switch flips, um, I can't undo. I can't, I can't stay there anymore. I can't sit in something. I've got to make the move no matter how wild it sounds. And, you know, I really appreciated at all of those turning points for you. It was like a lot was at stake and really in those moments. Yeah. You can collect all of us smart people. We can collect all the (laughs) data and do all the logic and, you know, consult. But at the end of the day, it's that feeling have found that I'm a person that I can't, once that inner knowing sets in, I can't sit with it. And, and I, I am grateful for that. Honestly, it's like literally so physically uncomfortable that even if it's huge and the risks seem crazy. And I like hearing from you, Lara, cause I associate accounting people more with like risk adversity. So yeah. hearing you like take these big jumps uh-huh. was just uh-huh. really inspiring for me. Uh-huh. And, um, one thing that kept, I certainly have that same 
I've had that same feeling and I resonate with those points. And as a recovering people pleaser myself, that part really stuck out to me. So could you take us down the people, what's, what did the people pleasing side of you? What was that voice like during all of that? And how did you build those muscles to kind of um, relate a little bit differently to that person? Yeah, I think um, when I was growing up and I always, I don't ever like, you know, sometimes when you're doing trauma work, they'll be like, bring yourself back to one, that first moment, you know, when you like, when the people pleasing started or whatever. And I don't, you know, I don't, I can't always access that. Um, I think it was more of um, a model set by my mom, you know, that I was kind of emulating. and. Programmed in the womb. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I think I always grew up like that. And it, you know, for me, it manifested in like, you know, getting good grades. So I didn't disappoint my parents and not getting in trouble because you weren't supposed to do that if you were like a good girl and knowing when to be quiet and, you know, when not to speak and when to smile and nod and like all of those kinds of things. I lived in a house where it was very uh, non-confrontational, you know, shit happened. You didn't talk about it. It just happened. And then like the next day it was like, it never happened again, you know, like that kind of, um, that kind of deal. And so, yeah, I think it was just ingrained in me really young, like to just do what I was supposed to do and do what was expected of me. Um, cause that was the model that I grew up with. And, and on the flip side of that, I always had that I always had a really strong like internal compass. You know, I always had a really strong sense of what I knew was right and wrong, regardless of what the world was telling me. Like I always felt that. It's not that I necessarily always followed it, but I always knew it. It was always there. And it was always talking to me in the back of my mind, you know? And so at those, I think at those pivotal moments, I realized the gravity of the situation and I couldn't ignore it because I knew how important those moments were. There were, I'm sure there were plenty of other moments in my life that were less was at stake, you know, so it was easier for me to, uh, to go, to stay in the people pleasing, um, because there wasn't that much at risk. But when you're talking about getting pregnant and you're creating a life, right. For me, that was like, okay, that's huge. That's huge. Right. So, and I knew what I felt for me was the best decision. And same with like the, with the accounting job, like there was all of these things going on around me in the dynamic that were really in direct opposition to my own values. And it was like, I reached that point where it was like, okay, I can no longer justify this or rationalize these things. Um, And it just became really present that it was like, there was nothing that was going to not that there's nothing that was going to stop me from listening to that voice and like taking action on it. Hmm. I love that. And I think I've really tried now, like having that experience growing up as a parent, (laughs) you know, really it, it makes it more important to me even more now to continue to listen to that voice and take action on that voice. Because like I had the model of my family, um, the people pleasing and all of that, like I, I get to be the, you know, I get to break that and, and be the, the model of the opposite, which is like following, following your own intuition and your own inner knowing because it only serves you. I love that. And I love how you pointed out, I struggle with that too. Um, 
like the one point where this all started. It's very difficult for me yep. to, but you're right. It wasn't really like one instance. It was more of just a culture, honestly. And that yeah. was the same message that I received of, you know, like um, when I behave in this way, it makes other people happy. And I have found, you know, as I'm peeling back the layers on my own people pleasing that it shows up a lot in my business. And, mm-hmm. and I built businesses based on people pleasing. And, and I'm sure I'm wondering if you had the same experience. When I came into online business, people would say, oh, you're talented at this. You could do this. Will you do this for me? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yes, 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 yes. And, and I found <laughs> myself, I kept building businesses and getting businesses that at the end of the day left me very unsatisfied. And I realized it was because, oh, this is coming from a people pleasing place yep. and not from from a, this is what I'm here to do place. And, and so yeah, I, not that I've worked out the puzzle yet, but I just think it's <laughs> interesting to notice how those kind of old thought patterns, you don't even realize where they're coming from. And they're probably generational. Like we, it's probably very absolutely. deep. <laughs> it show up in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I'm working through that right now. Uh, I'm working with a amazing uh, trauma coach, uh, Lee Cordell and what we've been working on recently is my, my attachment to other people's disappointment, <laughs> you know, like how I, how I take on other people's disappointment. And that's a lot of where my people pleasing came from was like, I didn't want to disappoint people. Like you just said, I, when I, when I do things in this way, it makes other people happy. Um, and that's a lot of what my people pleasing was centered around too, was like not disappointing people and not making them upset. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress, but I definitely, I mean, I would say for the first five years of my business, you know, I really was operating under that same thing. Like, oh yeah, well, I know how to do tech. So I can just jump in and do that, even though I don't do that anymore. And it's not really what lights me up anymore. And there's a better person to do it, but sure. You need me to do it. Of course I'll do it. You know? Uh, and you know, I, I mean, it definitely still shows up today. You know, it's, 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 something that, like you said, it's so ingrained and it's been with you for so long. It takes, it takes a long time to unravel and, you know, and it shows up in those moments when, um, you know, when you're maybe, yeah, not connected, right. And not feeling in your own like power around being able to say no and like follow what you know is what you want to do rather than what other people like want, want from you. Yeah. I feel like it's just, it's so prevalent, especially in the online business space, especially as women, like so prevalent of like people taking on projects that they don't really want to, or like boundaries Mm. and boundaries is something where it's like, we can say it until we're blue in the face, but if you have never set a boundary or you don't know what it looks like to set a boundary in a healthy way, it can be a really big roadblock because it's like, you're hearing all of these people say, you got to protect your energy. You got to set boundaries. And then I remember being like, I don't know what the fuck that means. What do you mean? Set a boundary. Like I tell somebody to fuck off. Like, is that how I set a boundary? And then I'm like, no, there's gotta be a healthier way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like growing up and seeing my parents, they had no boundaries, still have no boundaries but like they were in the complete opposite way of like very chaotic yelling fighting Mm -hmm. all of that stuff and would lash out and so it's like I always tried to avoid conflict always tried to avoid chaos and so I feel like I really internalized my own my own achieving like being a high achiever within myself I never got it from my parents my parents are always really like you're great just doing whatever you do and I'm like 
okay, but I need to get out of this hell hole. Like I need to like become better. So it was like this internal drive for me. So it's like being a people, like I was the people that I was trying to please, (laughs) like the people pleaser for myself of like setting the bar really high. Um, but yeah, like boundaries is just, it's such an interesting topic. And it's like, how do we set boundaries in a way that's healthy for us and healthy for the person, but we're not setting them from a place of like, like being triggered. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Of like setting a boundary from a place of like blocking ourselves in and putting our guard up. It's an interesting, like dynamic and an interesting line to walk of like, is this really what I want? Is this like a healthy boundary for me? Or is this me staying in my comfort zone? Mm. It's just different. It's just very interesting to witness. And it's like, we're setting, yeah, we're setting one in reaction to something like you said, like from a triggered, right. From a triggered perspective. Um, as you were talking, what came up for me was I have four kids. We live with my mom and my sisters. There's a lot of people in our house and not even from just like the business perspective of clients, but like with my own family setting boundaries, like, because I don't know if you have all had this experience when you work from home, like sometimes my family's like, oh, you just work from home. Like you have time to go do this, or you can call and make this appointment, or you can stop in the middle of a meeting and, you know, like do whatever. And, um, and yeah, and I used to feel really like guilty. I had like the mom guilt of like, oh, like if my kid comes over, I have to stop what I'm doing and like pay attention to them or they're going to feel like I'm not paying attention to them. And it's like, well, no, I want to be present in both spaces. I want to be present for my clients when I'm on a meeting because they deserve that and I deserve that. And my child deserves me to be present when they're talking to me and not like this. So like, I agree, like in that setting the healthy boundaries that really support both, both sides, both people, both whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and it's that skill, (laughs) like having the skill, but, you know, having the ability to do that and know when that's appropriate and doing it from like a healthy place is really crucial to like feeling good. I mean, just feeling, feeling good about what you're doing and who, and, and other people feeling good about it too. Yeah. And like just the, the guilt that comes up, like I had to set a boundary literally like yesterday. So I have an online DIY course and I have a Facebook group that like people can come in and, and ask questions. And like, up until this point, people have asked like questions related to the content. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is totally fine. Then somebody asked me about a question in terms of like doing SEO for clients. And I noticed that I was like, Ooh, this, this feels like an overstep of boundaries of just like, this is not what the content is about. And I had to sit with it and I was like, okay, am I being an asshole of like, just not trying to like give this person in front? Like it is an easy question for me to answer. And then I'm like, but wait a minute. Like, I feel like there needs to be a boundary here. And I end up having to write the comment, like, Hey, I don't mind answering this question now, but for future, whatever, like, just so you know, this course is not about setting up SEO for clients about admin or about processes. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Hey, and thank you so much for asking this question, because you made me realize that I have to put this clarification on the sales page Mm -hmm. and in the course itself. So it's like, getting getting triggered or like notice when you feel that resentment yeah. and then being like what about this 
am I like not okay with? And then allowing yourself to sit with it and not make a decision or even take action or maybe even communicate in the moment when you're having that emotional response. Because also I was in Las Vegas on vacation and I was like, I can't fuck, I can't fucking respond Um, right now. I got, I got to wait like a hot minute to like, just sit with this. But yeah, it's like, it pops. It's, it's such an invitation that pops up more often, especially when you're working with clients and like with the general public. And like you said, with family, obviously. Yeah. yeah. That's been the most challenging thing for me has been the waiting, <laughs> you know, when those things do happen. And because I think it goes back to the people pleasing and needing to like answer right away and be there right away kind of thing, the responsive thing. Um, and it's so funny when you read something or you hear something and you do let yourself wait and you do, you do wait and you come back so many times I see you know, you just see it in such a different light and you receive it in such a different light than you do in that moment. And like the response (laughs) that I have when I wait, than when I, when I would have answered in the moment can sometimes be so drastically different, um, and create a completely, you know, entirely different experience for the person on the other side. Yeah. And I feel like I've had to learn that from like answering (laughs) directly in the moment and then literally regretting what I said. And then it like bit me in the ass and they were like, yeah, but you said this before. And I was like, oh fuck, I should have really sat with this. I just fucking shoved my, yeah, shoved my foot in my mouth on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I would say all my greatest regrets of emails that I've sent have been without that sacred pause. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's funny because I do feel that urge to like, I got to respond right away. And you're exactly right. When I give myself the pause, I come back and I reread it and I'm like, oh, I interpreted that wrong, you know, or like there could be a different way to think about this. You know, it's just interesting how something that seems so obvious can really like open your mind and give you some space. Um, But I did think this is a really, I love this conversation because I have noticed myself saying yes to things. I'm also pivoting, you know, from agency to consultant. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that come up that I could do and they sound fun to do. And I do still take on some old agency work, but it's hard to draw that line. And I didn't grow up with healthy boundaries being set. Actually, it was quite the opposite. If boundaries were set, it was almost seen as like unloving that that's Mm -hmm. our family. Mm -hmm. So like having no boundaries is loving, you know? And so I've had to kind of untangle that, but I'm still noticing and it's exactly, you You hit the nail on the head, detaching from disappointing people. That mm-hmm. is very difficult for me in business because I love this person. I think they sound so cool. I am excited about what they're doing. I could do it, right? And so it's hard for me to then say no, even yeah. though my bandwidth is so precious and I have to, that's what it is these days is I really have to think about where I'm spending my bandwidth. And so that that piece is like the last and I'm not going to say the last, but it's definitely the muscle that has uh, taken the longest to build for me yeah. <laughs> of like really getting a good sense of, you know, it is about delivering the boundary, but then also like where and when and <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like this, this kind of goes into the next question that I wanted to ask really well is like, especially with like launching and like staying grounded within yourself, staying grounded within your business in the present moment, like launching burnout is so prevalent in launching. 
in the online space, everybody's like launching is exhausting. And then like launching is this and launching is that and adding all of these things to it that make it sound like something that like, I never want any fucking part of. And then it's like, like a lot of people selling points now are like, Oh, sell out without launching. Like launching is this big, bad monster in the closet (laughs) that like we can't open and we can't deal with. So I guess my question is, is like, how or what boundaries can we create around launching that can maybe just allow us to stay more grounded? Mm. I think the, um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, is like the time and energy boundary. And for me that, you know, usually relates back to team. Most of the people that I work with are established coaches. So they have at least a small team that they're working with. And what's considered is, a small team? If you uh, don't so like, like one to like four people. people. Okay. Yeah, one to okay. four, like contract, usually my, my clients have contractors. Um, and so they, uh, the, the coaches, right. The CEO, uh, and this is funny. When I first started out, I, was, I used to see like the CEOs up here and I'm here, you know, and if I kind of had to go like through well, the, our listeners can't see my, <laughs> my hand gestures, but uh, so like the CEO, they have their own shit too. You know, we all do. And so when you're working on a team, sometimes you have the tendency to think like, well, the CEO's got it together. They're going to tell me they're going to set boundaries, right? Like they've, they've got, they've got that on lock, like setting boundaries and all that. They don't, they're human too. We all have our own shit. And so I think it's important for everyone on the team to have a sense of what boundaries to set around their time and their energy, what they're available for and not available for, not just in terms of tasks and, um, you know, and, and doing, but also when there are breakdowns, right? Like setting up these structures around how and boundaries around how, how, and when those conversations happen so that they're empowering, you know, rather than defeating. Uh, and so that's one of the things like I always ask when I'm going through like a launch intake with someone is around their time and their energy and how, what boundaries are important for them to set with their team and themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. around their time and their energy, when they want to be spending time on certain things, uh, how much time they want to spend on certain things, how to communicate when things aren't working um, and what the process is for that so that it can be received, you know, people have the, have the space to receive it um, in the way that's going to like help the team move forward or, or solve the issue at hand. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind and like a very crucial part of the launch process. When you say live launching, right? Like when I used to, when I first started out doing live launching, it was like creating a project plan, right? It was like, okay, here's what the strategy is. I'm going to go create the project plan for you. Here's all the things you need to do when you need to do them. My launch process now is like way more, way more encompassing because it's not just about that, right? I mean, it's the whole energy, like you guys are always talking about, right? Like the energy of things, it's the whole energy around the launch and the energy of the team. And when that's not taken care of and you don't have those boundaries in place, that's where the drain, right? The drain and the exhaustion and the hate live launch. I can never want to live launch again. I'm going to create an evergreen product. I'm going to, you know, uh, so I think that's what's most present when you like in that, when you ask that question for me. 
Wow. I'm like connecting some major dots. So for me, I'm a person who told, I've told myself I'm never going to do a live launch. Like, nope. And I think it's because I'm scared of I don't, the boundaries I need to set and and I'm scared of how will I set them. And um, I, especially, I think what happens is when we are not grounded, setting boundaries, Mm -hmm. healthy boundaries is difficult. And so your work is helping people. I love the idea that ahead of the game, we're going to think about our non-negotiables and we're going to think about how to protect ourselves. And we're going to set up the infrastructure in place to protect ourselves as we go through this. What is this, you know, what we're talking about here, a launch whether or not you launch or not, we're talking about going through a stressful situation mm-hmm. and staying grounded. And I think yeah. that what you're saying is so insightful of, you know, try to protect yourself ahead of time and try to work yeah. with somebody who's done it before and can kind of hold you and support you and think about the bigger picture. Cause when I think about a launch, that's what I think about like, Oh, we got to make a calendar and a list of uh-huh. things to do, uh-huh. but you're so right. It, it, I'm sure there's a, a mindset component and like a, there's boundary work to be done and there's, you know, giving yourself the pause when uh, mm-hmm. tough things do come up, you know? So I really think that like the work you do is like a lovely metaphor for just like handling stress. Yeah. And, and, and then the benefit to me right now is quite clear of why stay grounded. And it's because it allows us to show up from a healthier place where we can feel more empowered and remember what our non-negotiables are and set the boundaries in a healthy way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so talk to me about how, you know, what else, what else are we doing? I I'm like wanting to get <laughs> tactics from you to stay grounded in a stressful situation. If I were yeah. to ask you, Laura, how do you stay grounded in a stressful situation? Yeah. What else do you do? Well, yeah, from like a high level, it is setting that intention in the beginning. And like when I I'll talk specifically about launching, but I love that you just mentioned like, you know, the bigger picture, because I, when I think of launching, I think of it as like a microcosm of your business, right? The things that are happening in your launch, the breakdowns, the wins, the the dynamic, the conversations, these are just a small part of what's happening in your business at large, right? So, um, and it's in a really intense period. So it's really easy to see them, right? They come right to the surface. And so I think for me, it's setting that intention in the beginning of what you want your launch to look like what you want it to feel like, and not just you, like I always encompass, like, what do you want the people that are following you on your launch to feel? And, and what kind of energy do you want there? What, what does your team want that to look like? What do you want that to look like as the, as the coach? And so starting there and setting that intention, then like the next layer is, is setting up, um, you know, I'm talking more in practical terms, but setting up lines of communication, you know, around, um, how does your team want to stay grounded together through the launch? So there's a lot of different ways that I do this with clients. One of the most like, you know, obvious ways is like having a meet, having a meeting like on Zoom, right? Where you're connecting in. Um, I have a lovely client at the beginning of every single one of our meetings. We do a grounding together, just like we did before we started this podcast episode, right? We ground in together. We let go of everything that happened before, everything that's going to happen after. And we really set the intention to be present and open and connected with each other in that space. Um, so that's, you know, that's one way that, that you can ground in together with your team is through meetings and doing like a grounding on the, on the meeting. And one of the most valuable things I found is it's, again, it's not just talking about the, what are we doing? What's coming up, right? Like what, you know, what's on the calendar. It's like, what's underneath all of that. And really like having open conversations around how people are feeling, 
how they think things are going and checking in on a personal level and giving people that space to share. Uh, Because that gets ahead of so many issues and breakdowns, miscommunications, hurt feelings, drained energy is when you allow space to talk to those things. And it's really easy when you're in a launch because it's, it can be like an intense period of time to just get right to what we're doing. Right. But that's not what makes the difference. That's not what makes the difference in the launches. I mean, it is the execution, but it's making sure that the energy underneath is supporting that. So that's like, you know, staying, figuring out how to stay connected. For some people, I have a client, she's amazing at staying connected on a personal level. She'll send a text like during the launch. Hey, I just want to check in with you. How are you doing? You know, and it's opening up that line of communication. And I love that. I mean, those are the people that I love to work with. Like just that really care about, about connection on a deeper level, not just because of the, it's going to help the results of the launch or because they want everybody to be invested and get fueled by this experience together, not, not it being draining or like something that when you get to the end, you're like, wow, we never want to do that again, (laughs) you know? Uh, So those are just the few things that come to mind. Um, But I think in terms of like, and again, this doesn't just apply to launching, but business, like these are practices that you, you can be doing in your business, like as a whole, you know, and, and it really is opening up that conversation to everyone. Um, it's not just about the coach or about the sale or about, it's about everyone that's involved. It's a, it's a whole entire like ecosystem. Yeah. It's like treating not only yourself as an actual human that has a life outside of business that has feelings and emotions, but like also the members on your team, your contractors, your freelancers, Mm -hmm. like allowing them the space to live their own lives to, so like they're not working 80 hours a week just because you planned a launch last minute. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's very unfair. And that's one really quick way to build up enough resentment where you're going to have a really quick turnover rate. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I liked what, like, as you were talking, it was like this, this thought came to mind that like launching intensifies however your business already runs. Mm -hmm. So it's like the clearer that you are and like how you're showing up in your business on a daily basis, launching is going to intensify that. So it's like, if you're not aligned, maybe with the program, maybe you've outgrown the program, maybe you've Mm -hmm. outgrown the course, maybe you're not excited about it anymore. It's like, if if this is the underlying feeling and then you add a fucking launch on top of it, (laughs) you're going to be like, this is the worst thing I've ever decided to do. And like you just said, it builds resentment, right? And I was just, I was just talking about this yesterday with one of my friends um, around launch, because we were talking about live launch burnout. And, you know, she was talking about this, this thing where people go through the launch and maybe it doesn't go as well as they expected, right? And then they have this resentment going into delivering the program. And like on the other side, the people that signed up for the program, like, like my friend said, she's like, they did their job. They signed up, they paid their deposit. They, you know, they're showing up. And that's why it is so important to protect your energy, like during the launch, because when the launch ends, the launch isn't over, you're going to deliver a program and you've got to have the energy, your team, and you have to have the energy, like, and the stamina, right. To be able to like, not have that break, you know, between, between the launch and the delivery. And, um, you know, and I see that's a lot when people get to the end of the launch, everybody's like, like just done, you know, they're done yeah. and they've got nothing left in the tank. 
Um, and that's why doing that, that work during the launch is so important and like before the launch even. This brings up a really good point that a coach that I worked with for a hot minute said, she was like, listen, if you don't feel excited to deliver this program for one person, don't yes. do it. You're not excited about it. Like if yeah. it is not good enough for one person to join, then do not move forward launching this program. I love that. I, I fucking love that. Because it's like, um, we create so many expectations because we see everybody's highlight reel on social media of like, I got 1.17 million people into my group program. And all I did was send three emails. And then it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I can you do have a list too. of yeah, like 150,000 people. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like, we just have these unrealistic expectations or it's like, yeah. And they've been in business for 10 years and it's yeah. like, and then they're trying to teach people that have been in business for three weeks that like, they can just show up, post three reels and fucking sell out their course or their program. And it's like, don't get me wrong. People absolutely get lucky. Luck is a big thing that nobody fucking talks about in the industry. You can absolutely get lucky with the algorithm. You can get lucky with like people signing up with something going viral. And it's like, we have to stop glorifying luck like it's like mm. some like earned strategy or some mm. earned thing when it's like we can we can say that like we got fucking lucky yeah well and you see that a lot Mariah with like people that run a strategy once they get lucky and then they're like now I'm gonna teach this strategy yep. right and I'm gonna enroll people in this program because I had my first seven-figure launch and I was only in business for under a year right and I'm not taking away from anything from that person awesome for them that's you know, like if that yeah. could happen for everybody, it'd be amazing. And like for people like us that have been doing this <laughs> for a long time, you know, and you have, you've, you've seen whether you're like, you know, I'm, I'm on the consulting side. Right. So it's like, I've been doing this for seven years. I've, I've know what strategies, you know, tend to work. I know what things tend to not work. Um, there's not a lot of luck incorporated into my strategy. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's stuff that I've learned and experience that I've gained. And so I think it's really important. And, you know, I, I I've talked about this a lot on social media is like the vetting of like who you're working with and who you're following so that you're not getting caught up in those, like those, those hype, lucky <laughs> hype moments, lucky thing that doesn't really have like a solid strategy behind it and, and an aligned strategy for you as a, you know, as a person, as a business, as a team. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I've just seen so many people kind of say that like you have to, and okay. It's like, obviously energetics, we all fucking believe that like energetics is a huge part of business, yeah. but it's like a lot of these bigger launches I've seen them in programs literally tell people when they're like hitting up against a brick wall because the strategy that they're teaching isn't working. It's like, yeah, but like you don't believe in it enough. Like you don't, you haven't set the intention. And I'm like, stop fucking with the energetics and blaming that for everything. Yeah. Like it's both of them. Yes. But it's like not one or the other. And just because like you, you have to be able to help people test and tweak on a more practical way. Yes. Mindset comes into play. Yes. Your energetics comes into play, but like, how about you tell people that it fucking takes a while? How about you tell them like, oh yeah, when X, Y, and Z did that, like an example of somebody else that had an issue moving forward and like, how are you going to move past it? Instead of like yeah. journal about why you're blocking it. Okay. Yeah. Like that is helpful. And I will do that, but like, what the fuck else? Like what the fuck else is there? 
Well, and that's why it's important to stay grounded in your inner knowing, like whether you're going into a launch or any kind of business strategy is always going back to yourself. You know, there's all of these like formulas and, uh, you know, for, and frameworks. And like, I love processes. I love systems. I love giving people frameworks and SOPs and templates because they cut down on the time, you know, people need to create yep. things. That's great. And, you know, I had a client, um, over the past couple of years that joined a program and like, it was completely not aligned to our business values and what we were saying, like the direction that we say we want, said we wanted to go in, but it was like, oh, this is what's working for everybody else. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, you know, we launched into it completely, you know, fell flat yep. because we weren't, we weren't grounded into what, like what we had said we were, we were moving towards yep. and we got caught up in, you know, in the flashiness or whatever at the time. And then it's like, if we would have stopped and paused, you know, at the time and been like, is this, is this really aligned with what we know we want to create on this team, the energy we want to create the, um, you know, the bond that we want to create on this team. Like if we would have stopped and asked ourselves that we would have said like, no, this doesn't, this strategy doesn't align. It's actually in complete like opposition to, <laughs> to the direction yep. we want to go into. So I think it's super, yeah, it's super important to like going back to the grounding piece is to be really centered and always go back. I always, I say this a lot, like go back to the values, like what is important in your business? There's so many people that are working to, um, bring more of the, like the feminine energy into their business. Right. And, but they're still trying to like jam the mass, these masculine strategies, like, you know, like into that business model. And it's like, it, there's room for both, but when yes. you're, you know, you, you have to be really intentional with that balance and making mm -hmm. sure that you're finding strategies that meet both, you know, both of both sides of that, of that coin. Yeah. I actually wrote down in my notes the other day, like the testimonials and the case studies, like the wow ones that really like catch your attention of like, oh shit, that really worked for them. They don't mean shit. If your energy isn't behind the strategy yeah. point blank period. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I, I think it's so important. I think that's why in, in a previous episode this season, we talked so much about discernment because like different things work for different people. And the more that you know about yourself, the more that you know about your energy, the more that you know about what you're trying to create, the lifestyle that you're trying to live, the more that you really get clear on who you are, how you show up and how you operate, it's gonna make creating a business that supports that so much easier, but you have to keep checking in. It's not yes. good enough to check in yes. once a month. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not, yeah. you have to check in daily about yeah. like, does this make sense? Because otherwise like it's happened to so many people. Shay talks about all the time, like building a business. She's like that. I fucking woke up and hated. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, how do we catch it before it gets there? Sometimes we do have to go far down that rabbit hole and just be yeah. like, damn, there were so many red flags here that I totally missed. <laughs> we, we all have to learn that lesson, but it's like, how can we build the muscle to catch that before we walk that path completely? I love the checking in piece. Um, because, uh, that's something that I, I help facilitate a lot when we're in a launch, if something's not working, it's like, sometimes people have the tendency to be like, like get frantic, right? Like, oh, well, let's try this thing. Let's try this thing. And it's like, okay, let's <laughs> take a breath. Does that align 
with what we want to be creating. Does that make sense, you know, in terms of the strategy that we already have? And it is, it's a constant, it's a constant check-in. Um, and that's why, again, like when, when we're, we're talking about like teams and launches, it is that weekly, whether it's on a meeting or a Vox or whatever, like, how are things going? How is, are things aligned? Are, do things still feel aligned? Like before you're deciding to add another thing in, does this, does this make sense? And does this like align with, with what we really want to create? Mm. You know, I'm just realizing like the importance of having an inner compass or an mm. inner um, filter. Uh, you know, a lot of us, I think, don't really spend a lot of time sitting with our core values, um, sitting with like that bigger why question. And so I can see how it's very easy to then come into a world that's full of people telling you what to do and to take mm -hmm. that as truth. For me, my journey has been, I always equated everybody else, else's advice as more valuable than like the inner knowing that came out of yep. me. So I would place much more, you know, and I could talk about strategy all day long. And, you know, I think the fundamental flaw in all of this coaching, a lot of the times is what you brought up earlier, Laura, about the coach on a pedestal, you know, mm -hmm. yes, they're teaching a framework, but we don't get the context of that framework worked for them at a certain point of time with their mm -hmm. resources and their energy. And, yep. and some of these coaches are very much enjoying that pedestal place. And so I found myself as a coachee, the people pleasing again, like, wow. oh, I got to do this the way that she did. Right. And, and I want to please her. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard for me to connect with that voice and to value that voice and to really think I, I was, Oh, she must be right. And I must be wrong. Mm. Right. It took me a very, very long time to strengthen my relationship with myself <laughs> and know that like, I just wish more coaches would say like, yes, this is one way to do it. But yeah. at the end of the day, listen to yourself yeah. and, and that piece is missing. And, and it's like that yeah. strategy worked strategies are meant to be individual and customized yeah. based on your unique circumstance. Yep. And yep. all we're out there just trying, and that's what we learn in school. Like just find the next framework, just find the next yeah. template. And I have so many mm -hmm. people that think they're just like one framework away from the big breakthrough, yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and it's like, well, so-and-so is doing this and it works for so-and-so. And it's like, it could, it may not, it may be a big failure for you. You know, there's like 10 yeah. ways to skin the cat always. And we yeah. have to connect back with you and what works for you and your energy right now at this point in time. And so I think that that, that really is like resonating to me here of like how valuable it is to get quiet, get still. Mariah, I feel like we end every episode saying the same thing that it is sit with yourself. How much time do you give to like be with yourself, yeah. enjoy yourself, strengthen that relationship you have with yourself. And yeah. it's a slow process, but over yeah, time yeah. that voice does get louder. Yeah. Louder. Yeah. Uh, I, Oh, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I love, I love everything you said. Like it's, um, I went to a, a spiritual retreat in January and we got there and there was, you know, the, the person that was facilitating it, they put a little card on the bed and I just, I just really started getting into the spiritual world, like in the past like year or so. And, um, it said, we've never been here before. And like, I didn't know what that meant. Right. And it was like, we've never like we've never been in this moment before together, even if we've all been together at some other space, we've never been together at this point in time in this exact moment, you know? And like you just said, right, that may have worked for that coach with their energy, their team, their resource, like all the stars may have aligned, right? 
for them. And that doesn't mean it's going to align for you. And I think the other important thing you said when you were saying like, um, you know, putting the coach on the pedestal is sometimes there's this idea around like, if you don't follow the strategy, you're not coachable. You're not being yep. coachable yep. and Ooh. you're not taking the coaching. Ooh. Oh, I just got chills. Ooh. <laughs> I just got chills y'all. I'm over here like a fucking owl. Ooh. That for me is like the red flag. When I hear, when I hear someone say, Oh, my coach said I'm not being coachable or whatever. Because it's like, no, maybe there's obedient. Yeah. Maybe there's something inside of you that is telling you this is not the right decision or the right action or the right strategy. And I'm, and listen, granted, sometimes it's your fear. Sometimes it's yes. your comfort zone. Yes. Sometimes yeah. it is that, but that's why the discernment it's, piece yeah. is so important. It's not wanting to release that like tight control that, that is a play in some people that are being coached. It's like, okay, if you can't open your fist and let somebody in, mm -hmm. then like, I, I can't come in and help you if you're not willing to right. receive it. And that is a, that is definitely a fair thing. But listen, as they say, it definitely takes two to tango mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that note that the, the, mm -hmm. the retreat leader wrote on your pillow. It just <laughs> reminds me, this is so, this is so dumb, but like, it, it reminds me of the shit that I say to my nieces and like everybody in my family all the time around their birthday. I'm literally like, to, uh, this is the last Friday that you will ever be 11 ever again. You will never be 11 <laughs> on a Friday ever again. And like, at this point they're like, can you just shut up? And I'm like, this is the last <laughs> day that you will it. ever be, you will never be 11 on another day again. Tomorrow you are 12 and you will never be 11. And everybody's like, shut up and I'm like no never it's now become my thing and you're gonna hear it until I die so like that's it that's agree yeah. <laughs> everyone can move on right I think it's so fun to think about yeah um it's true. <laughs> I I do have a question so like in terms and I mean like you you might have your own launch strategy that you go and like you help people with but like how do people find a launch strategy that works for them? Like, do you have any suggestions of just like, maybe like where to start tinkering, what to start looking at, maybe what to start reflecting on in terms of like how you show up where your energy is just like a starting point for people? Yeah. I mean, when you're starting out and I say this because I don't, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with frameworks or, or, or strategies that other people are doing. Um, so I think it's good to, when you're choosing a coach or you're choosing a strategy again, is to, is to have some type of vetting process or check-in process for yourself to make sure that the value, like what you're going to create with that launch strategy or that launch initiative, like m matches like your values. And what do you and mean create? Like, is this in terms of like copywriting? Is this in terms of like create like a webinar? Is this uh, in terms like creating of a plan, like a, a, essentially like a launch, like a launch plan. Okay. So, you know, in like the simplest sense, if you're going to do, um, you know, there's like a stacked launch strategy plan that'd be like a webinar and then a challenge and then another webinar or like something like that. Okay. Like a more of a traditional, like stacked launch strategy. If you're going to create something like that, right. It's like checking in and it's like, well, is that, does that like level of work of what we're going to have to do to create that align with my lifestyle and what, you know, the capacity that I have and the capacity that my team has and the amount of energy that I want to put into that? Or do I want to do something simpler, like um, maybe doing personal, like I've, I've launched programs before just strictly on personal networking, strictly on personal outreach. I filled my first group program that way. 
Um, I didn't do a launch. I literally just reached out to people because I love connecting and people consider me a connector and just had conversations with people and filled my group program. So it's when you're going to think about what your launch strategy or launch plan looks like is, yeah, is doing that check-in and seeing if like, do I have, does this align energetically, capacity-wise, values-wise, um, like timing-wise to what I have going on, what my team has going on, like all of those kinds of things. So I think that's important. I think there's a lot of tools in terms of, um, and again, I don't want to like rely on one thing, but like human design or like certain things around your, <laughs> like I'm a, pro- I'm a projector, right? So there are certain things about my human design that would make um, live launching, like in a, the traditional sense might not feel good to me. You know what I mean? Like I need the invitation. So it's like thinking about those kinds of things when you're going into your strategy and like You can find someone who's done a framework or a strategy that fits in to what, you you know, into you. And the most important thing is like just checking in at every piece of that. Does this piece align? Launch strategies can be completely custom. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, someone can hand you a plan, but that doesn't mean that that each piece that you're executing, you can't be like, does this make sense for me? Does this like webinars, right? A lot of times people will do a webinar and they'll have like, your promo sequence, your reminder sequence, you deliver your webinar, your follow-up emails, right? Well, for some people that works great. If you have a really large list that's really engaged, like that may be a great strategy for you. If you don't, then after your webinar, it may be all about personal outreach and DMing and personal connection, right? So it's, you don't have to take someone's framework and someone's strategy and like implement it to the T because they got six figures out of it. You can take the framework execute it in a way that feels aligned for you. And then it's all about just testing and tweaking. So it's just a matter of like starting with what feels aligned for you in the moment is aligned to your capacity, your values, your time, all of those things, executing it, checking in along the way to make sure that what you're doing is still aligned. And then it's like, okay, what worked, what didn't work both on a results level, like, okay, did we fill the program? Did we not fill the program? And also how did this feel to everybody? Were we burn out? Were there points where we were burnout? out? Were there points where there was like huge breakdowns and like, okay, does this, if we tweaked those things, would this strategy still feel good? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. If not, and the whole thing just didn't, you know, just, you wound up going through and you're like, "Mm, yeah, okay. That wasn't the thing. Then it's like, okay, go back to the drawing board and you start, you know, and you start anew. Um, So I think, there's no strategy that's out there that's like brand new. You know what I mean? These are all strategies yeah. that are reused, repurposed, reconfigured. You know, when I'm going to someone, I'm not, when I'm consulting someone on a launch, I, I don't have any brand new, like never before seen launch strategy, right? You, you write your emails on a leaf and you send them <laughs> by bird over to the people that you want right? to invite. <laughs> But it's the truth, right? So it's <laughs> it's a matter of seeing seeing what the possibilities are. And actually, that's a lot of what I do into it. It's like, what's possible? Mm-hmm. And then dialing in, okay, what's the most aligned strategy for us? And what are those tweaks along the way to make it ours and to make it work with what we know we want, how we want it to feel, how we want to show up, um, what we want to, you know, what we want to create with it. I love that formula of starting with possibility and then whittling mm-hmm. it down based on what feels aligned that uh, I just think that's a great strategy. 
I love doing that. And I think it's like a lot of people don't leave room for that, right? They go like, oh, like I said, like, oh, this person's launching this strategy and it's working for them and they have the same audience as me. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. And they don't even give space for like, well, what else, what else could we do that could work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important. And again, it goes back to like taking the pause, going within, grounding in. Um, and another huge thing for me is always with when I say go within, go within your team too, all right? I've had over the years, so many times people come and they're like, I just, I just lo- um, joined this program and we're gonna follow this strategy. And I immediately go like, I've run that strategy before. And I can tell you pretty certainly like, probably not the best, you know, like probably not the best idea for us where we are right now with what we're, you know, with what capacity we have. So really going within your team as well and connecting into their knowing about your business, a coach, unless you've been working with them for a really long time, they do not know the intricacies of your business. Like your team knows your business. There is just, they just don't. So again, you can follow a framework. You can choose a strategy, always check in with your team and check in with their, their knowing and what they know to be true about, you know, your business. And again, figure out that balance between what you're being taught or what you're seeing and like what, you know, what you think is going to be the most aligned like strategy for you. Okay. Let me ask a super specific question, but I think we have a lot of projectors in our audience and I'm just always trying to raise awareness that there's other ways to think about things. That is, we brought up something earlier that really sparked my curiosity and it's something I've struggled with typically launches are not very much wait for the invitation. In fact, they're quite the opposite. So if you know about projectors and human design, our strategy in the world is wait to be invited. You know, once you're recognized, then you can kind of step into something. And so I've kind of thought, how do I launch? Because this seems like the opposite of waiting to be invited. Does that make any sense? Yeah. (laughs) Wait for the invitation. Yeah. I've been going through this with my coach right now too, because I, because like, Oh, go ahead, Mariah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, so I have said, I feel like my toes are so deep in human design. So what, oh. what the, what the people say, <laughs> which I'm not an expert, but what the people say is that for projectors specifically, is that like, it's your job to show up in a way that feels good for you. And that like you showing up and shining your light and sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge is what allows people to invite you to go deeper with them. So projectors, it's super important for you guys to like step up as the guide and like share on your own platforms because you don't need the invitation to share on your own platform because it's yours. Like you're not sharing, like waiting for the invitation is like, for like advice for people or like making decisions and things like that. But like, if you feel inclined to share and to show up and you feel passionate about it, then show up and share. And then like, that is what gives people the little nudge to invite you to allow them to go deeper or like allow them to join your program or like whatever it is. So that's, that's just what I heard from it. Yeah. So I, I, um, projectors are here to be guides, right? And like masters. So yeah, it's exactly what you said. My understanding too, I'm not an expert either, but yeah, that's my understanding too, is to show up in your mastery, like show up as the guide. And I have an example of this like recently. So I went off Facebook and Instagram for about a month recently, um, which was amazing. (laughs) Like it was really great, like exercise for me. And I came out of that like hiatus and I made one post. It was like, 
it wasn't even a long post. It was a short post. Within an hour, someone messaged me and was like, Hey, I want you to be on my summit. So just by me, like showing up, I'm like, Mariah, like you just said, showing up on my platform in my, in my expertise, someone saw that it was like, Oh, right. I have a summit. I need a launch strategist person on there. And they, they saw happen to see my post. And then they invited me to be on their summit. Um, so that's like a kind of a practical example. I think of what exactly what you just shared, Mariah. Shay, is that helpful? It is helpful, but I'm wondering about a live launch. You know, like what if oh. I had a high ticket group program that I wanted to launch, you know, okay, gotcha. and I'm wondering, maybe I don't do, maybe the launching mm. is different, right? I think that comes down to your profile lines. I think that's going to be more important there is your, because like your profile lines are like, it's the, um, it's the costume that you wear. It's how you draw people into you. Like your projector, your type is like how you make decisions and like more higher level, but like, there's a lot of human design people that like, won't even talk about type stuff because they like talking about the, the little intricacies. And so like your profile lines, it's like, you're probably going to get a lot of people in like through your network and doing that. And I don't, and it also is fucking up to you. It's all like, it's all something to test and tweak with. So it's like, if you wanted to show up and launch and be like, we're going to, I don't know, release a podcast episode once every two days for you to launch something. It's like, we could fucking play around with that. And then it's like, that invites people in and like connecting people and then they'll share it with other people. And it's like, you're going to get people through your network too. So I feel like there's like a lot of different dynamics that kind of come into play. That's just my perspective. Yeah. I still don't know if that's helpful. (laughs) What came to mind for me, Mariah, as you were talking was, um, Yeah. So it's not that you can't like do a webinar or anything like that, but maybe you're leveraging like partners, right. Or JVs as part of your network rather than like going, going out and like doing ads or, or whatever. So maybe you're reaching out to those people that know that have shared audiences that are sharing what you're doing and, and inviting people to your webinar or your class. And then maybe from there, it's like having more of a um, consent based, right. Like kind of strategy afterwards, where again, you're like having that personal, like networking to people. And instead of like doing the, like, here's my program, like kind of thing, like, Hey, do you want to hear more about my program? Mm -hmm. And like having that and that, like putting, putting, um, things in front of them for them to like, you know what I mean? Continue the conversation. Rather you feel like you're like, you're the one like pushing the conversation. What a beautiful practical example. Yeah, yeah, the consent helps me click of like, and that's yeah. how I handle sales is it's always very like, do, do you feel, are you, would you be okay if I shared this with you? Or do you want to yes. hear more? Or, you know, kind yes. of inviting them in if they want it, yeah. they can then respond and take the action. And something you said earlier, totally sounds like me. If I were to, I've done this in the past, I would just email everybody I think is interested. <laughs> like I'm a network person, a relationships yeah. person. So I think that just holding the word launch a little loosely. I had this really strict definition in my head of like webinar with a pitch at the end, but really there's a million ways to launch something. And so, and it can, like we're saying, you know, like it has to come back to you and how you function as a human well and where you feel really lit up. Cause I really do think at the end of the day, if you can show up in excitement and in the passion, in the energy, that's what draws people. And, you know, yeah. that's what carries you through a good delivery, you know, and I, I yeah. really have never thought about that before because I hear so many people talk about the exhaustion after launch, 
but then you go right into delivery and that's even more important. It reminded me almost like of a mother giving birth. I've heard my friends say like, I spent all this time prepping for the labor. And then it was like, I spent no time actually thinking about the hard part of like, oh, now I have a baby. Raising the baby. So, <laughs> I, for me as a projector, our energy is limited and we yeah. have to be really careful with how our tank can get empty easily. Yeah. And so that that's just encouraging for me to hear you say like, hey, there's different ways to do this. And it doesn't, something that I've told myself has to be very draining and exhausting could actually be a very nourishing and enriching and team bonding experience if we go into it intentionally. So I just find, thank you guys for your insights. I find that very like encouraging. I love that. You bring up a great point. I had someone reach out to me on Instagram. Um, I did a post about, about like following someone's framework when you don't have the business resources to actually execute that framework. Ooh, yeah. And someone reached out to me and they said, oh, so like, I always thought of like a live launch as like the six figure launch, the like, you know, the big monster, like, you know, like so many team members and so many like people getting the program. And it's like, no, a launch can be anything. You launch a podcast, you launch a blog, you launch a website you marketing is launching. If you're, if you're offering a program, you're launching, right? And so that's the other thing, like with launch strategies, do I know how to, and do I help people with those like super like intricate, complex strategies? Absolutely. And those aren't for everybody. So there's launch strategies that can be super simple where again, you're just personally connecting with people. You're getting in with your network. You're doing JV affiliate stuff. You're um, you know, just posting like invitations on, I mean, I've seen people yeah. fill programs just from posting invitations on social media. Right. So it's figuring PR, out PR. Yeah. Yeah. PR. I mean, there's a, That's there's a, a million different ways to do it. And it's like, it's really important to look at where you're at and what resources you have, what energy you have, what team you have, what, um, financial resources you have, all of those things to figure out the, the strategy that's right for you. And they all, it can all look different. Yeah. It can all look different. Yeah. And I, I feel like we don't see so many different forms of launching because we're in this, in the same circle consistently. You know what I mean? Like we typically only follow on social media, like the same people, or we have the same friends who 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 have the same friends. friends. And it's like, so we don't see all of these different examples or like we're stuck in our industry. To where it's like, oh, just the online space, this is what online coaches are doing. And it's like, yeah, but what if, what if I just took a launch strategy from like, I don't know, some tween TikToker yep. that like launched yep. her, launched her YouTube channel yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Like, what if, what if I just like tried that, even though I'm not seeing it in my industry? And so it's like, I don't know, you could launch something just doing a PR tour. That's how people launch books. Yep. Or ma- like, I've, I've done like mastermind tour, like go in people's mastermind program, like other people's yep. mastermind groups and train. Um, and I think I've been thinking about this a lot too lately, because I, like I said, I went off Facebook and Instagram and I was like, oh, wow. Like, how am I going to like promote my business? Like, how am I going to market my business? And that I'm going to launch a YouTube channel. And I've been thinking about that too. Like, I was like, what if I met, went like in my local community and like met donor, like people in real life, you know, like what if what? I like people you know, in real like, life are a thing. There's, there's local communities. I was literally on yesterday. I'm like meetup, like looking for entrepreneurial groups around here. You know what I mean? Because there's, yeah, we get what we see people 
what we see on social media, because that's like the biggest, you know, kind of input that we have, I think, in the online space is these like traditional, like live, like larger live launch strategies, webinar, like these kinds of things. But yeah, there's so many other possibilities and opportunities that we don't even allow in because we think that's like the one way to do it. And that's the way everyone's doing it. That's the way that works. Yeah. And even we forget that like, especially if we're hanging out on Instagram, that we're only seeing that you can launch using Instagram because we're on the fucking platform. Right. Like we're literally on the platform that they are using consistently to launch. So that's why we assume that like posting reels and doing lives on there is the only way, because like, that's the fucking platform that we're on. We like forget that it's like, we're being marketed Instagram marketing because we're on Instagram. Right. Yeah. So Lara, I'm curious, what were your big takeaways from taking a break from social media in oh, business? I, yeah. I mean, transparently, I have a lot of, I was listening to one of your, your episodes this week and you guys were talking about com- comparisonitis. Like I have a lot of comparisonitis. I've been in business for seven years, in this business for seven years. And uh, I absorb a lot of the like, why aren't I at seven figure? You know, like, oh, I have seven figures. I'm like, why aren't I? I've been in business for seven years. How this person get seven figures in a year? And I'm still seven years in business. And, and then, and then it's like, as I've been pulling myself out of that conversation and that, you know, that barrage, like, it's been like, I don't even want a seven figure business, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, that's what was being fed to me. Right. It was like that. If you're, if you're a coach or a consultant and you're in the online space, like you should be going for seven figures. That's the goal, right? Like that's the prize at the end of the or eight figures or whatever at the end of the rainbow, you know, it's like, that's, I, I, I've really been checking in with myself. Lately, like, do I, and from a really like genuine place, like, do I want to do what it takes to get a seven figure business? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't because and I had this conversation with my coach because we were talking about me launching my YouTube channel. I've been stalling on it. And she's like, what if you just like put in the time now to have like the time freedom later? And you know what I said? I was like, I want my time now. Like if it yep. takes me another six months to launch the YouTube channel, I want to spend time with my kids today. Yeah, It's not worth it for me to like go hold myself up for a week and bust out all the videos and do like the whole thing. Like I've done that. I did that for many few years in the beginning of my business, you know, like just hustled, hustled, hustled and like neglected my family, neglected myself, neglected my self-care. And like, I'm like, it's not worth it to me. Like to, there's not that, or there's not enough urgency for me or desire for me to do that. And that's again, why I was talking about like the in real life. I was like, what if I went and met not, not necessarily the chamber of commerce. Cause that's not my vibe, but you know what I mean? Like a, a community of entrepreneurs, a community of business owners in real life. And I realized when I went off of social media, like I was missing that. I was missing that in-person connection. I love the relationships I've built virtually. I would, mm-hmm. I, I don't plan on leaving any of them. Some of them are very, very dear to me. And there's, there's something else missing for me and not having like, you know, being able to see someone in person and hug them and and feel that, you know what I mean? So that was like my two biggest takeaways were, yeah, like really dialing into like what, what I want without all the noise of what I'm supposed to want. And then really that realization that I'm, I've been missing like the in real life stuff with my family, with myself, you know, because I just have a tendency to like, this is real easy. You know what I mean? To like jump on zoom and you can do it anytime and there's no boundaries around it, you know? So yeah, it was a great, it was a, it was an incredible experience for me. 
Amen. Thanks for asking that question, Shay. I'm really, I'm really glad we had her answer it. And I'm sitting I over here nodding. Yeah. I was like, how can I go off social media? Like, how can I even do that? And I, I did it for over a month. I've been off over a month. Yeah. I, I am that. very interested in, you know, the idea of limiting your inputs or curating your inputs and being aware of we're not even aware of all the stories in our mind and where they're coming from. And, and a lot of times we don't have any stillness and space to hear our own voice because we've got so many other voices in our head. And I think a lot of us in business are under this misconception that the only way to grow is by being on a slave to social media and to the algorithm. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, people have been building businesses <laughs> for all of time. You know, social media yep. is just new. And, and especially now that COVID is kind of wrapping up or whatever, we're all thinking we're all kind of feeling that like I miss humans I built my whole business on in-person connections you know and I now I've been so detached from that that like the idea of that mm -hmm. does feel incredibly nourishing and I love that that came through you getting you know kind of uh, yeah. keeping your head down on your own lane and kind of limiting yeah. those inputs and then you can really hear oh this is what you're missing right now yep. I think that's a really yeah. beautiful story and very tangible example thank you for sharing yeah. that thank you for asking um, okay, so Lara, I want to be respectful of your time. We could talk to you all day, of course, but tell me about, you know, aside from the social media challenge, what has been sparking your curiosity in life? It could be in life and business, but right now, I love that today's episode has kind of come back to this theme of presence. What's going on right now for you? What's making you feel curious? Um, yeah, for me, it is, it really is like, how can I, how can I continue to grow my business without social media? I mean, that's my biggest curiosity right now. So I'm actually like looking at people that have done that. Um, and when I say social media, I mean, obviously YouTube could be considered, you know, another social media channel. So I mean, specifically for me, Facebook and Instagram, um, I don't use TikTok. So, um, so that's like my biggest curiosity right now, professionally and personally, um, my biggest curiosity is like, um, how strong I can get. I'm like super focused on my, on my, uh, my health. And right now I started roller derbies back, you know, after COVID. So, um, I'm just getting back to playing that. So it's like training back up to like be a badass on the track and like, <laughs> um, so those are the two biggest things that I'm just like really like hyper-focused on at the moment. Oh my God. I love that. I've been really interested in like getting my ass back to the gym. And I'm just like, cause me, me and my boyfriend were sitting here and he's like, can you do a push up?" And I'm like, I'm embarrassing. <laughs> I can't do a fucking push up, and I'm sitting there trying to do one on my knees. And he's like laughing at me. He was like, listen, I'm not saying you're weak but you're fucking weak. And I was like, I'm definitely weak. I need to, I need to like, I'm not arguing with that. Point. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, on the plane ride to Vegas, I was actually listening to a podcast episode about like how in society, like with health and everything, we're focused on like losing fat when fat is a symptom, mm. like fat isn't like the foundational thing. And so what we should be focusing on is not so much losing fat because it's a symptom of essentially not having enough muscle. We should mm. be focusing on like building muscle and having like a more muscle focused approach because like they went into the whole scientific thing, but I was like, yeah, That's, we're yeah. focusing on muscle. <laughs> That's a, it's what I'm focusing on actually. Yeah. So um, yeah, I worked with a nutritionist last, well, functional medical, medical practitioner last year. Um, and yeah, and that's my, yeah, my, my nutrition is like protein and fat, protein and fat, protein and fat. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's all my nutrition is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Again, it's the, 
it's the expectation and the input, you know, of what I've, I've like, when I see like weight loss stuff, I'm like, do not, do not see again, do not see again, or whatever that <laughs> little, little tick boxes or like not see that stuff. Cause um, yeah, I want to focus on the, the strength piece and like the muscle piece. Cause I mean, that's, what's going to help me in Derby is, is the strength and the endurance longevity, baby. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key Stamina. right there. Sustainable yep. longevity. <laughs> In business and in health. Yeah. <laughs> Shay, truly, truly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shay, do you feel good if we wrap this one down? Okay, cool. So if you guys listening enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with somebody that you think would love it. Take a screenshot, share it on social media. Just let us know what you think about it. Uh, if something really popped out, definitely DM us. We we love connecting with you guys. And even though we talk shit about Instagram, like in a lot of the um, latest episodes, we still like connecting with you on Instagram. So please DM us. I'm still in the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And as always, thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. If you haven't yet, please subscribe or leave us a five-star review so we can all continue to grow together. And until next time, remember that you have the power to create whatever the hell you want, follow the nudge, ask questions, and let curiosity guide the way. We'll see you in the next episode.